I had a privilege about three years ago. We were at a pastor's prayer summit, Camp Buckner. And uh, that evening, I happened to sit across from Tim Hawks, one of my heroes. He started Hill Country Bible Church, and they've planted 26 churches in the region. So we had a chance to talk, and he asked me a question. He goes, I know you're related to Bethel. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about Bethel? Because I, I hear it's all about miracles. I said, actually, you heard wrong. I said, it's really not all about miracles at all. It is all about Christians coming into their true identity as sons and daughters of the king. And out of that, miracles naturally flow. It's really not about doing miracles. It's about <coughs> naturally walking as sons and daughters of the king. We've been talking this year about, about authority, about what it means to be salt and light. And last week we looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it, right after Pentecost it says, And they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. The apostles' teaching didn't mean that only the apostles could teach. At that point, yes, because they were the only ones who had been with Jesus. They were the ones who heard kingdom truth. It doesn't mean only apostles can teach. But it was so important in that day that the ones who opened up truth had been with Jesus. And so one of the things that they, I believe, taught more than anything else was kingdom. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33. It says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. The word seek first literally means make a priority in your life. And the, and the verb seek, seek is a continuous tense. And so as believers, there. What he's saying is there has to be a continuous priority in our hearts to see the kingdom of God come and his righteousness. Now, that one kind of threw me. Why would he add in his righteousness? I think, personally, in my humble and accurate opinion... Righteousness is the foundation for everything as far as our identity, all that we receive and all that we're able to release comes out of our true identity of righteousness. The word righteous simply means to be right, in right standing. 
Now, Paul elaborates on the kingdom in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Now, uh, look at verse 17. This whole chapter has to do with um, our conscience and how we relate to others. But in verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is first of all identified and based upon righteousness, then peace, then joy. In the Old Testament, one of God's names is Jehovah Sidkenu, God our righteousness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 23. Look at verse 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our Righteousness." The very righteousness of God brings security and salvation according to that verse. Now here is what I can't wait to get to. And that is our true identity. We are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now we've heard that. But I want to try to unpackage that a little bit this morning. I'll be, last night, I got so pumped and so excited, I laid there for three hours until two this morning, just almost in tears, being overwhelmed by the amazing God that we have the privilege of calling our dad, our father. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 17. And we're going to look at this a little bit more. But it's just, it's phenomenal. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Sin in the Old Testament was powerful and bad, but how much more is the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? Now, it's really important that we understand righteousness is a gift. It's not something we earn. Now, I know this is Righteousness 101, but it's really important because we, 
We, we know that, but somehow we still want to be able to do something. It is absolutely a gift. We're going to learn later how important it is that we receive it as a gift and not try to do anything to work for it. Now we're going to come to the main passage, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, we're going to start in chapter 3. In verse 9, and then we're going to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. There is a ministry of righteousness. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at a number of verses. We're going to start with verse 13 and go to the end of the chapter. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Now, I looked that up. What, what in the world does that mean? If we live totally undone and in awe, it is because of God. And then he says, um, and if we are of sound mind, it is for you. There's times we are to live in the awe of God, but we are also to live with a sound mind to relate to others. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf." Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things pass, behold, all things become new. The word new in the Greek, there's two different words for the word new. Right, Don? Yes. There's one is that I got a new car. It's just like all the other ones. It's just new. It's not new in kind. It's new in type. Uh, I mean, it's... Anyway, which one of those is right? I'm not sure. But the point is, it's not like there's never been one. It's, it's new. That's not the word here. The word here is new in type or kind. There's never been another one. Matt, where's Matt? Yeah, he was showing the staff the other day about uh, uh, the rocket from Le uh, oh, uh, Tesla. Yeah, the Tesla guy. It was new. It, was, it had never been done before. It was brand new. It is saying here... <laughs> If any man be in Christ, there's never been anything like them before. They are radically, completely brand new. And then it goes on. It says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You'll see in verse 18, it says, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, we have the word of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the key thing. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This verse has been wrecking me lately. See, I was taught a false truth. I was taught that Jesus carried our sins. It's like a backpack. He took all of our sins and he carried our sins and he paid for those sins. He didn't carry our sins. He became our sins. Says he who knew no sins, there was nothing in Jesus that was personally acquainted to sin. But it says that he became sin. It's, look at that. It says he who, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, th this is the gospel right here. Here's what I want us to see. Jesus Christ, who had no sin, no acquaintance, no personal understanding for sin, he literally became sin. Isaiah 53 talks about on the cross, his body was so disfigured that it was unrecognizable as even being human. Why is that? Because in his body, in his very nature, he became sin. His identity was that of sin. He became sin on our behalf that we might become the very righteousness of God. Now, let, let me unpackage this a little bit. Sin is a magnet for all kinds of things. Sin is a magnet, if you will, for the judgments against man by God. The fact that he became sin attracted all of the judgments against man to himself. You say, where do you get that in Scripture? Look at this. Go to John chapter 12. Go to John chapter 12. Verse 31. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world 
shall be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. The word men is not in the original Greek. They put it in there because they didn't know what it meant. Let's read it without men. And it, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. All what? All judgments. All the judgments against me, against you. It says, and he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he would die. When Jesus' identity became sin, it attracted all of the judgments against mankind, against you, against me. Not only that, it attracted all of the sickness of the world. It says, by his stripes we are healed. All of the sickness was attracted to him and he paid for it on the cross. Not only that, all of the curses against man. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13, <clears throat> Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He became sin, which attracted all the judgments of mankind, all the sickness of mankind, all the curses of mankind came into his body. All the poverty of mankind came upon and in Jesus. He became his very identity at that moment was sin. I mean, that, wow! And he did that for us so that... We could become the very righteousness of God. Did you know the righteousness that, that becomes our very identity, our very nature? The righteousness of God also is a magnet. It is a magnet for all that heaven has. Yes. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all of the blessings in heavenly places. All the blessings. Our body is a magnet for healing and health. What? What? It's true. At just as Jesus became sin, we have become righteousness. Therefore, we attract 
all that heaven has. We attract health. We attract healing. We attract deliverance. We attract provision. We attract life. Sin attracts death. Righteousness attracts life. Jesus no longer relates to us on the basis of our sin, but on the basis of our righteousness. Let me, let me try that over here. Jesus no longer relates to us on the basis of our sin, but on the basis of our righteousness. Just, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stay over here. No. We have to get this. This is the gospel. Just as... Jesus became sin and attracted curses, judgments, everything against mankind. So our identity is righteousness. Now let me ask you. <coughs> I don't believe we have a sin nature anymore. Yeah. Now, can we still sin? How can someone without a sin nature sin? Well, it happened three times in the Bible. Adam, Eve, and Satan did not have a sin nature. But they chose to sin. See, the enemy will try to convince us, well, we're just dirty, rotten sinners. No, that is not who we are we are the very righteousness of God. We are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, you say, well, you know, I've never felt that. I just, it doesn't seem that that's, it just seems too good to be true. Well, let me ask you, if I was to bring in a sapling apple tree, when does it become an apple tree? <laughs> but wait a minute. There's no evidence that it's an apple tree. There's no apples. So how can it be an apple tree? We do not, you think, well, that's so stupid. We, we don't judge trees. We don't name them and declare what they are when the fruit pops out. Neither do we declare our righteousness when righteousness pops out. We are already righteous. Now let me ask you. If I was to take that sapling tree and break one of the limbs, would it still be an apple tree? 
it would need healing. But it's still an apple tree. We, if we are going to be light and salt, our true identity that will radically transform our region, we have to recognize we may have broken places in our heart. The broken place has nothing to do with whether we're righteous or not. It's not, well, if I sin, I'm no longer righteous. No, we don't have a sin nature. We might have sin habits, but we do not have a sin nature. So what happens the more we choose to walk in our true identity, the more transformation occurs in our lives. The more fruit that is born in our life. Remember what Romans 14, 17 said? Uh, For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also has fruit. It is a demonstration of an outflow of our righteousness that this fruit begins to pop out. We cannot, we cannot live our lives judging ourselves based upon our behavior. Well, I just don't feel very righteous today. Well, get over it. I'm serious. Okay. Shocking verse. Proverbs chapter 17. It may have just been put in. Proverbs 17 verse 15 He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to God. Let's stop right there for just a second. He who justifies the wicked, people who are not born again are not righteous. They can do good things. And they're made in the image of God. But if we say, oh, that person's righteous based upon their behavior, it is an abomination to God. Look at the next thing. He who condemns the righteous is an abomination to God. This side seems to be getting it. When when we see ourselves based upon our behavior and we don't see ourselves as the very righteousness of God, it is an abomination to God. Wow. 
Why? Because Jesus became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The world is hungering for people who walk in the true identity of God as righteous. Does it mean that we won't mess up? No. It just means that's not our identity. That's not who we are. A couple of nights ago, I was in bed and Sylvia was getting in bed. And I said, you know what I get to do tonight? I get to sleep all night next to the righteousness of God. <laughs> she said, just go to sleep. <laughs> It's true. Okay. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because God no longer relates to us based upon our sin, but righteousness, should we not relate to others based upon righteousness? That, my friend, is called unity in the body of Christ. Uh, you say, well, that... Uh, no, go back, look. Look at Hebrews, not, not Hebrews. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. How do we recognize him? By the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The greatest key to unity in the body of Christ, two things. Number one, we, re we recognize we're all part of the same body. Now, those of us who are charismatics have a little leg up. You know, just we... That is an abomination. If we don't call people in the body of Christ, we relate to them based upon righteousness, it is an abomination before God. That's what we're going to talk about in a few weeks when we talk about in Acts 2.42, it says, And they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It is relating to one another based upon they are fully righteous. They fully have a call. They fully have passions. And we're going to relate to them based upon that. Not based upon their actions. We're not going to recognize them according to their weaknesses. <coughs> well, how then are we to relate to the world? The dirty, rotten sinners. 
Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians, verse 19. Let's start in verse 18. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. By the word, reconciliation is an accounting term. I think I've shared this before. When you get your bank statement, you reconcile it, it's got to look just like the bank statement. What did Christ do when he took on, when he became sin, he reconciled us to look just like him? To be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, we are to, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Now, some people take this as universalism, that everybody goes to heaven. That is not true. Everybody will not go to heaven. But it says God doesn't count their trespasses against them. Their sins were paid for on the cross. It says in 1 John, He was the propitiation, the covering for ours, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. They don't know it. We have the word and the ministry of reconciliation to restore people. I've been using the phrase own it with authority. The most important thing we can do is to own the righteousness that we have been given. We own it. The world needs us to own it. We need to own that. We need to own other people's righteousness as well. Does that mean people won't do stupid things, have problems? No. But we start our relationship with everybody based upon righteousness. They are righteous. They have a good heart. Now, this is not everybody, but those who have received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. The reason righteousness is so critical is because righteousness is the foundation of our identity. Righteousness has to be the foundation of our identity. When we operate that way, righteousness also becomes the avenue in which we receive all that God has for us. <laughs> if we don't see ourselves as the righteousness of God, we'll have a hard time receiving because it will be based upon, well, I didn't do good this week and I don't deserve this. Understanding our righteousness is the foundation for our identity and for us receiving everything. It's also the foundation for unity.
in the body of Christ. It is the foundation. Paul said, we know no longer any man according to the flesh. Their stuff they do, stuff, it's like when the body of Christ really gets this, it's going to be amazing. We will operate and walk as one. Now, here's a million-dollar question. How does all this occur? Grace. <laughs> it is grace upon grace upon grace. See, when Jesus came in John chapter 1 and said he was full of grace and truth. And one of my favorite verses is my wife's birthday. John 1.16 For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. When we recognize that we are because of the righteousness of God we are a magnet for healing we are a magnet for every blessing in the heavenly places. We are a magnet for all that heaven has so that we can release that into a lost and dying world. It's not so that we can walk around going, I am stinking amazing. But it gives us the authority to release healing to release deliverance, to release to reconcile people to God. Yes. I'm going to ask that you stand, please. Honey, why don't you give Chris the mic? Chris? I want him to share what he saw this morning. But as he does, I want our ministry teams to come forward. Recognizing that you attract healing. <laughs> you attract deliverance. You attract freedom. Because we carry the very righteousness of God. Um, so God's actually been giving me this picture several times, but uh, it's, it's almost like it's new every single time over the last two weeks. And every time that I have shared this picture, healing has come. Uh, and I don't say that to boast. It's just God's that good. Um, <laughs> and so I, I just, if, if everybody could close their eyes, just like join me in this picture. Uh, I just want you to picture a river of honey flowing through this room. Mm. And you're actually standing in it up to your shoulders. So mm. just like feel the resistance around your hands, this river of honey flowing through the room. And God declares, my promises are right now. Mm -hmm. He declares, my promises are right now. And then he says... I'm the God of healing right now. Mm. Right now, not later, 
Not tomorrow, right now. I'm the God of deliverance right now. I'm the God of hope right now. I'm the God of provision right now. And just whatever you need, just fill that in in your mind. God's declaring that it is right now. And if there was pain or hurt in your body, just begin to check it out. Lord, we thank you for your promises that are right now. We thank you that honey represents your promises. We just stand in them and we receive, Lord. As your promises wash over us, Lord. One of the things that is really heavy on my heart. I don't know everybody here. I don't know your spiritual condition. But if you've never fully committed your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, there is grace and understanding and forgiveness today for you. You saw the perfect picture of the gospel Jesus Christ became your sin, your sickness, your torment, your oppression, your judgments, your curses. that you might fully receive his forgiveness, his healing, his righteousness. According to 2 Corinthians 5, 19, he no longer counts your sin against you. It's paid for. Will you receive it today? You say, well, I don't, I don't. No, today is your day. If you're here today and you're not fully assured of your salvation, today is your day. I invite you to come and to speak with one of these people or the person that brought you. It doesn't matter. But it says in Romans 8, it says the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. When I start talking about this, if you just had this gnawing ugh, feeling in your heart, it's the Spirit of God speaking to you, saying, I have forgiveness and healing everything you've ever longed for. I've paid for it.
If you need healing, whatever you need, we have a group of people who carry, they are the righteousness of God, and they are magnets for whatever you need. But I just, I implore you, I urge you, what Paul said to the Corinthians, be reconciled to God. Today's your day. Please don't leave without, without dealing with that in your heart. Amen. Love you. Let me pray for us. You'll be released. I know it's a little bit late, but we still do carry the heavenly donuts, among other things. And I'm so glad that on the front page of the Round Rock Leader, we have pulled on the heavenlies. Jesus, we, we are undone when we think about what you did for us. Jesus, we thank you. And by your grace, we own the very righteousness of God as our true identity. In Jesus' name, amen.